Welcome back to Sci-Fi with Jesse Mercury. This week's episode will be a continuation of our last discussion about Star Trek The Next Generation Season 1. If you missed the last podcast, do not fret. All you need to know is that I am like nutso, weirdo, oddball obsessed with Star Trek The Next Generation. And my, my bestie, my wonderful guest, Audrey Tapia, she's never seen it before. Blows my mind. But she's being a good Samaritan. She's doing her part for the universe. She is watching the show. And I thought it'd be great for us to sit down and talk about it from our two perspectives. So we're going to pick up our conversation right where we left off. We had just started breaking down the season episode by episode. Let's jump into it. I'm on scotch now. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So we're on to Code of Honor, episode three. Tasha Yar has to have a fight to the death with the the mate of this like male leader on this planet of African American people. It's basically this guy's bottom bitch, right? <laughs> I have so many problems with this episode. Yeah. I mean, just like trying to describe it is like. <laughs> It's like bringing up all these memories that I've tried to suppress. Okay, so obviously you don't like the episode. I like the episode. But that's because shit gets real. Like, they actually attempt to write, like, a story that's not pandering, you know, as yeah. opposed to the first two. Um, and uh, I just really liked the dynamic with, with Tasha just being a badass bitch. Like, she's like, all right, I'm going to fight my way out of this. And she does. Right? How does she end up? Does she kill the lady? I, I think she, like... Yeah, she kills her, but then they have this plan to bring her back with their advanced science. Right. So she, they, like, stop her heart so she's technically dead. Right. But then they bring her back. With, like, a cool weapon, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so she uses science to beat the society, right? Right. And she's a woman, and she uses her superior fighting skills yeah. to kill this woman and then bring her back to life immediately. So she's like, no, you were dead, bitch. Like, I won. I get to go. But uh, you're still alive because yeah. I don't kill people. So my problem with this episode is that it is so racist. It is like crazy racist. I see. Maybe that's my weird LA upbringing, but I just didn't think of that at all. Yeah. Like I didn't. It didn't even occur to me that they were all black. Like until well, it's you not just that said that. It's not that they're all black. It's that they all live in this like society that has like all these primitive ideas about men and women. And to say so that you like, don't like that these primitive people are all represented by black people. Maybe that's it. That's what it sounds like, and which isn't wrong per se. I just never it never occurred to me. I think that might I be was what just, me. I was thinking more about the man and male female dynamic. That's what I was thinking about. Yeah, I do like that the the female kind of overpowers the male with cleverness and science. I yeah, mean, and the, nice. I remember in the end, she's like, no, the lady, like, ultimately, because the, the women in this society own own property. And the men need the women and to And the own, men, to, we need the women to own the property yeah. and, and, and actually have wealth. But I you think. still get the sense that the men are still in charge. They are. Yeah. They are. There's, like, there's this weird power dynamic with men and women in that, and I thought that was really interesting. Yeah. Towards the end, I was like, that's so weird. And like, I've read an interview with Brent Spiner, who played Data, who thought that this episode was a joke. That he, like, got on set, 
He got on set and he's like, are we seriously doing this? Yeah, and I'm not saying that it's my favorite episode. I'm just saying that this is the one that got me more interested in the show. That's so fascinating. Yeah, like, like, because I was like, that's a different, I've never seen an episode of anything like that. This episode did wonders for the holodeck, Because that's when they really started, that's when they really started writing, I I don't know, that's when I really felt like they were starting to do something different with writing, even though some of it was thinly veiled, like, and they didn't quite have it right yet. I was finally starting to get that they were trying to touch on these weird base, like, human things. Cool. Um, And, you know, and I'm like, like I said, it's nowhere near anywhere close, like, being my favorite episode. So what I the thing I did like about this episode is what they really set up the holodeck really well about what the holodeck can do, mm-hmm. and the holodeck is is one of the best parts of this show. And they they can I just say I don't like when when they do like I I like I hate the Sherlock Holmes episodes. <laughs> I'm like speechless. I'm sorry, I I'm love sorry. dude. Doctor Pulaski season two Sherlock Holmes, so good. So good. Which which one's that? The one where Moriarty develops like self consciousness. Oh, I hate that. You're like a crazy person. I hate that. I hated that episode. <laughs> All right, we'll talk about that when we get to season yeah. two. Because I don't want to get so mad right now. I'm sorry. Okay, last outpost, episode four. This is the introduction of the Ferengi. They have been teasing the Ferengi um, since the beginning of the show. The idea had been that the Ferengi were going to be like the big bad for this show, like the Romulans had been in the original series. Didn't go very well because the Ferengi came out kind of silly in this episode. So they ended up making the Romulans the big bad like That's they had exactly when they were exactly what I was going to say. But I, I love this episode. I, I love watched it. this episode and I, I like didn't I didn't get the threat. There's no threat. I didn't get it. Their like, weird light whips are rad and like everyone like <laughs> transporting this planet, they end up in different places and they're all like, Jordy! Commander Riker! Like, they don't know where each other is, you know? Now, is this when they introduce that fucking rock set that they're always on? They're always on the rock set. (laughs) The actors, they called it Planet Hell. Because it was just a soundstage that was all these different planets. They just put up a different color sky in the background. Yeah, yeah. But they weren't fooling anyone. Like, I was like, this is the same exact set. Like... (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I think this is the first one that you see it. In the series. You might be right. Yeah. I think you're right. Uh, so, you know, I enjoy this episode. I There's this um, interesting, like, gatekeeper character. Uh, I forget his name now. His name? His name. <laughs> All the scotch is making me forgetful. Yeah. But I enjoyed that character because he was, like, this program that had been there to watch over this place. And Riker was able to communicate with this character and had this kind of intuitive understanding of what to say to convince this computer program that he wasn't a threat. And it's one of the first. This is in the last outpost. Yeah, it's why am f- I not remembering this? I oh, think gosh. I was so underwhelmed by this yeah. episode that like it's just one of the first times that, uh, that that they really show that people in Starfleet are just trained so well that they just have an intuitive understanding of situations. Right, and that's one of my which favorite parts. which is really cool. One of my favorite parts yeah. of the show. Uh, we've already talked about episode five, which is where no one has gone before. One of my absolute favorite episodes of the whole series, uh, due to a, so this is the one with the traveler. And due to a strange mistake when they're testing this new warp engine thing, They end up going way faster than ever even they even thought possible. And they, they end up basically like in the future, right? They end up in a part of space where thought and reality are 
Oh, right, like right, line, right, right, right. The line between thought and reality was, is was, very blurry. It's very blurry. So if you think something, it can become real. So right. all of a sudden people, like Captain Picard walks down the hallway and, and all of a sudden his mother is there. Right, know? yeah. That was so scary. Oh, man. And then he opens the turbolift door and he's out in space. Like, this episode is... Th- that, it scared me. Yeah, this, this episode, episode is like frightened me. hot sci-fi. Yeah. Really good sci-fi. This one, this one was amazing. Yeah. yeah. Again, I... Now that I'm thinking about it, I'm like, you know what? This is like top five, but still, I don't know if it's the first one that I would show. No, anyone. that's good. Um, that's good. But but definitely, maybe one of the, if I were to show somebody three episodes, this would probably be one of the ones that yeah. I picked. And as far as like seminal moments in my childhood, like this episode is there. Seminal right. like television moments, which are big moments. You it's know, a, it is a it is a beautiful episode. Yeah, it is beautiful. It's very well written, very well done. It's scary. In just the right ways. Yeah. Um, because it makes you start thinking, like, am I going mental? Which to me is, like, one of the most scary things. Is, like, oh, the yeah. idea of slowly declining into madness and realizing it's happening, to me, oh, is the yeah. most frightening thing that I can think of. That's why that episode where Beverly's stuck in a warp bubble, the other episode with the Traveler, exactly. that I, I have a hard time watching it because she it's thinks so, that she's slipping into madness. It's so scary to so me. So scary. And and um and and then it turns out that that's not what's happening, and it's fine. Yeah. But it's just it's just so scary though. Yeah. Like, um. So I don't know. That's what I remember taking away from that episode. How frightening it was. When they released Star Trek: Next Generation on Blu-ray, um, within the last few years, they did this special event for the first three seasons where they showed like two episodes on the big screen in cinemas across the country for oh, one man. night. People must have gone apeshit. This was one of the episodes, and I got to see this on the big screen, and it was just, like, mind-blowing. Oh, and man. they had redone the special effects, but they did it in this really purest way. Can we just talk about how good the special effects in oh, TNG so are? Good. Because they, I'm not saying that they hold up in a way where you're like, that still looks real, bro, but it's still very cohesive. Yeah. Like, and actually, it's not distracting at all. Like, when they, when you look at, like, the special features of how they redid it for the Blu-ray, you get a real sense of why they were so good. Uh, and I, and actually, there was an episode of Reading Rainbow where LeVar Burton went behind the scenes and talked about the special effects. I think I may have seen that it was one, amazing. but I was a kid, and I amazing. barely remember it. Yeah. I was a kid, and I loved Reading Rainbow. And then I loved, I loved too, yeah. Star Trek Next Generation, and they did a crossover episode, and I... See, I think myself. that's why I don't remember it. I just pooped all over it myself. It was lost on me. It was so great. Yeah. So when they shoot the Enterprise, they do three passes. They do, um, like, motion-controlled passes of a ship that is stationary. Uh-huh. Uh, they do a pass with all the lights on inside the ship to get the windows. They do a pass where it's lit very well, so you get the detail of the whole ship. And they do a pass called the Glamour Shot, where they light it really dynamically. They combine all three together through motion capture to get the look of the Enterprise. When they went back and remastered it for Blu-ray, they found the original negatives for all three passes and oh, re- nice. recomposited them so that you have shots of the model. So when you see the model on the big screen for the first time in my entire life and you see it with like blu- Blu-ray quality, it's the original special effect. I think they redid like the star backgrounds because they had to or something. Right. But, I mean, it made me like... like weep. M- weep. You know? <laughs> I mean, it was just so... Amazing. Yeah. I just love the special effects. Obviously, it's still a sign of the times, but yeah. but but um But the models are not the sign of the times. It's like the computer graphics they try to do and a lot of the animation that they do cuz but I love it. I mean, I love every it moment just, of it. It just all looks really good. To yeah. me, being it being cohesive is the most important thing. Um yeah. you know, because Agreed. it can get very distracting like when you watch sliders, some of it's just really bad. 
you know, and like it doesn't age well, but I think that it's it's aged very gracefully uh, in TNG. You know? I think so too. Uh, and Industrial Light and Magic did the opening sequence, which is you know the company that George Lucas started for Star Wars, which is super cool. Oh, that makes sense to me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Lonely Among Us. I will just say. Uh, this is an episode, uh, according to Netflix, the Enterprise provides transportation to two delegations who are constantly at odds with each other. That is an understatement. But <laughs> <laughs> a couple takeaways takeaways from this episode. Uh, Mick Fleetwood from Fleetwood Mac, I hope I'm getting this right, was one of those aliens. Like, you could really? not tell that it was him because he was in full body makeup. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> My other tell, takeaway, tell us, viewers at home. I'm pretty tell sure us that's correct. Right. My other takeaway from this episode is there's this moment where there's these two like delegations of aliens who hate each other. So you get into some like some like intrinsic racism in this episode, which is kind of interesting. There's some great Wesley moments in this episode. They talk about like preparing the ship for visiting delegations who are from different planets who need different environmental conditions. Different there's a lot food. of like cool yeah. details in this episode. Not a great episode, but it, you know, not bad. I mean, definitely. Adds to the world. I, but there's I this don't moment. really have an opinion on this episode at all. There's this one moment where they're walking down the halls and one species is trying to like catch another in a net. Oh, that was. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot and about that. He, he catches them and he says, Oops. He catches like a Starfleet officer. He's like, Oops, wrong species. <laughs> Um, which is like my favorite. My sister it's and I. So dumb though. Like it's I know so it's so stupid. dumb. But I was a kid. My sister and I. Like I had a little butterfly net. <laughs> my sister and I would like, like meet each other around the corner in our house, and I'd catch her in the net, and I'd go, "Oops, wrong species." <laughs> like we we played that episode. Oh you know, my God, it was so like something funny. that we we acted out. <laughs> Justice. This is a really interesting episode. This is the one where they go to a planet. Um, where everyone is like beautiful, healthy, oh, tan, the hot planet. They're all like super peaceful and happy. They all love their lives. They all have sex with each other all the time. Except if you break a rule, yeah, even the smallest one, you're dead. Yeah, you're dead. You break one rule. Like um, if you walk on the grass, for instance, and, you're and not of course, to. of course, Wesley trips and falls, breaks a flower bed. It's a it's a capital punishment. Yeah. Um a really interesting look into a society with different rules than our own and how do you interact with that when you are bound by the prime directive. And it's a really great great episode where you see that the bonds between these people maybe go a little deeper than the prime directive, you know? Mm-hmm. And something that Captain Picard like Captain Picard will let a whole planet of people die. For the Prime Directive. Right. Which is so fucked up uh, and, and incredible and amazing and He's wonderful awful good. and awful he'll and just, horrible. He'll just let and it I, happen. I still, I still don't know how I feel about it. But he will bend heaven and earth to save the son of the woman that he's kind of in love with but can't have. <laughs> yeah. Beautiful. Like, yeah. beautiful. I mean, for this man who's so and, rigid. And, and it's, yeah, but it's a dumb rule. Dumb rule. So, like, you know, he has to weigh out those options, too. I'm sure if he had to, like, you know, let the entire planet die, he, he might not have done that. Do you think? I don't know. Do you think? Captain Picard, man, the prime directive. He's, he's into that know. shit. Uh, but it's a really great episode, 
It's not. I mean, nowhere near my favorite episode by any means. I, I, I like it. I like it. I do I like, like it a lot. lot. I, I it just brought up some really interesting. Yeah, I love it when they get into this complicated problem with yeah. the, with the prime directive and like. And it's also a great episode because they show when they have to figure out how to cleverly get out of it. That's why I like yeah. episode three because they had to figure out a clever way to get out of it. Cool. And, and here's why I like God complex or God characters. <laughs> Is because this is the first episode where they take a culture that's a little more primitive than us in the future, mm-hmm. like our starship culture, right. and they take them onto the starship, uh, and they kind of think that maybe we're gods because we have all this power, right? You know? Right. Which was really interesting. They were but like, they, they really ha- thought we might be gods because yeah. there's this like cr- creature, weird ship thing that orbits their planet, and I haven't seen this up in a long time. I'm hoping getting this all right. I but, thought that was a different episode. No, no, you're right. Go ahead. I think it's this episode. Yeah, it was this. Um, and that's where they get their rules from, is this uh, this weird, like, yeah. ship that's orbiting their planet. So they can't break the rules because they think that this thing is their god. But then Captain Picard brings one of them up to the ship. He's like, look, I can see your god from here, you know? Yeah. Is it still and your god? they were, like, super disturbed by that. So it's a really interesting <laughs> look at religion, uh, really interesting look at culture, society, right. and then, and you And then know, the origins. I'm, I'm obsessed with the origins of mythology. Like Absolutely. Yeah. <sighs> I can't wait. But Star- <laughs> Stargate SG-1 also goes a lot into the origins oh, of mythology. Oh, Stargate. Yeah. So good. I've seen every episode of every Stargate. Which I, not which I watched it as, as an adult. Yeah. And I, I probably started Stargate when I was like 23, 24, and I'm 30 now. I've seen it all at this point, but, you know, Star Trek had been in my blood since I was a kid, so seeing the stark contrast in the universe between the two was really interesting. Yeah. Um, I should go back and rewatch some of that. Uh, so the battle is our next episode, season one, episode eight. Um, this is this is a really weird episode. So the Ferengi find Captain Picard's first ship that he captained, and they try to drive him crazy with this mind probe device to make him like blow up his own ship. Right? I think that's it. I think so. I don't know. Let's skip this one. I don't care I for the Ferengi. I just don't care for them at all. I think you know, that's what I've come. I think and that's, that's the fair. conclusion that I've drawn. And that's uh, fair because you haven't seen Deep Space Nine. Yeah. So they really... Because John and Naomi are telling me, always telling me how great the Ferengi are, and I just don't yeah. see it, but they're big Deep Space Nine people, too. So the Ferengi are just like this materialistic, they're capitalist. greedy, capitalist culture. Yeah. They're America, you know? Yeah, I get that. Yeah, I get that, but it's just so... The beauty of the Ferengi is that in Deep Space Nine, they explain their culture. They explain their backstory. They explain their mythology. They explain like maybe that's what it'll holy, take. Because to me texts. right now, to me right now, they just seem like this weird caricature, and like yeah. it's lazy. I think that they were just yeah. trying to show like America dirty capitalism. Yeah, I that's really what do. that's what I really yeah. got out of it. And to me, it was just kind of lazy and just thinly veiled and yeah. like you know. Um, There's this episode of Deep Space of. Nine where they talk about the belief structure of the Ferengi. It's, uh, I can't remember the title, something about, like, the Great River, the Great Material River. I, and they explain it in this way that's just so wonderful, and then you, you look back on all these years of Ferengi that you've been watching where you didn't like them, and you're like, I get it. <laughs> and it's beautiful. Uh, so, next episode, season one, episode nine, Hide and Q. Q comes back. He basically just comes back to fuck with everyone, because he's bored. I hate this fuck. Ah. I hate this fucker. Like... <laughs> I, I like him so much more in some of the later episodes, though. Yeah. I he, really do. I just hate season one Q. I just hate him. That's 
Yeah, I mean, but, he's not but, great. In but the more one. now that we're doing this whole recap thing, I'm really seeing how like it just there was so there was enough to keep me interested. But season one, I think, is like the worst season. <laughs> yeah, I mean, season one and two thing. to me blend together because their style is so similar. Uh huh. But then they had the writer strike in season two, and season two peters out to shit. Like they end on a clip show. Oh, I skipped that. I don't watch clip shows. Good choice. Like, like as a general rule, no matter yeah. what it is. They ended on a clip show because they ran yeah. out of material. Yeah. Because they didn't have a writer. They, like, I don't Talking, know. You know how much I hate lazy, so yeah. I just... It was, it's not... And that was just, like, uh, more of a um, necessity than laziness. I know, you know? but, you know, I, but, didn't, but I didn't know that. It's so terrible. Like, it's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that's the thing. Is like, the, the audience doesn't know. Like, the audience doesn't yeah. know you had a writer's strike. I had to go, like, research what the fuck happened at the end of season two to be okay with it because I was so upset by it. Uh, so what happens in Hide and Q? Let me see here. The Enterprise and Cowardner is Q again, and he tempts Riker by endowing, endowing him with the powers of the Q. See, that part never played for me. because see, I, that, that, when you read that, it's such a cool concept. But Riker's too good of a guy, you know? But he, yeah, he's just the kind of guy who will die before he, like compromises his own morality this is one of the only points in the whole series where i felt like they they did a character a disservice by his decisions because Riker deciding at the end of the episode like Riker has the power of the cue he decides to make wesley a man because wesley wants to be a man in his eyes um but it's so silly like wesley like within a couple seconds he's like i want to get there on my own yeah of course he does yeah obviously he does (laughs) why would anyone want to skip like a big portion of their life uh and like Riker is all high and mighty and thinks that that it's okay for a minute it doesn't it doesn't make sense and i it it was just i didn't get it was spastic i didn't get what like what was happening it was all over the place i chalk it up to Riker being drunk on q power probably yeah Yeah. i can see that and that's how i sell it to myself that's a good way to excuse that mess when (laughs) they get that battle with those weird you know like colonial aliens because like q sets up this weird situation where it's colonial america but they're fighting these weird aliens. It's the Civil War, and they're fighting these weird I aliens. I need you to be in charge of the chocolate. Of the chocolate? Yeah. I will break you off a piece of chocolate. Yeah, break me off a piece of that. I've practiced. <laughs> there you go. I mean, it, when you get a pound of chocolate, it's really intimidating. you got to figure out how to deal with it. I can't even fit it in my mouth. Um. That's what she said. <laughs> so there's this moment where they're fighting these colonial aliens, mm-hmm. and everyone that you love gets killed. And it's so awful. Wesley gets stabbed in the stomach. And it's really, really hard to watch. Yeah, I remember hating that episode. I like that episode. I'm not saying I don't like it. I just don't think I it's I remember just not consistent. being into it. Haven, moving on. Oh, this episode... Uh, we can skip this one. This one's okay. What? Uh, Troy meets her husband-to-be in arranged marriage, blah, blah, blah. I don't know. Whatever. Troy still didn't have a character... Yeah. Oh. Next. <laughs> All right. The big goodbye. Uh, episode 11. So um, this is the first episode where they go on the holodeck and the safeties fail and all of a sudden shit gets real. And this becomes a trope that is so overused. Like when you get to Voyager and they get on the holodeck, you're like, of course. Like if they go on the holodeck, you know that something's going to go wrong, you know. But this was the first time. This was the first time. Like, the holodeck is this 
artificial environment where nothing is actually real, you know? So you can do whatever you want. You can fuck whoever you want. Uh, you can kill whoever you want. Nothing is real. But if the safeties are disengaged, then all like all of the energy that is projected to look like real things becomes physical matter, uh, and you can actually be killed by it. So can I just say something? Please do. Everything that I just said about how I hate all the holodeck episodes, I really liked this one. Well, um, you didn't say you hated the holodeck episodes. You said you hated... I hated the Sherlock, the Sherlock Holmes. This is the first Dixon Hill episode where Picard plays I like the Dixon, Dixon Hill. Hill stuff to an extent. I like, you know, a percentage of it. Yeah, and let me just explain. Dixon Hill is... Captain Picard's favorite like novel series. Mm -hmm. So he goes, he makes a program on the holodeck. It's where like he, how we relax. He goes yeah, to be Dixon Hill. It's he cool. is Dixon Hill, and yeah. he acts out his favorite novels. Mm -hmm. But something goes wrong. Um, the holodeck becomes real, and all of a sudden they're in a life or death situation inside of a novel. Here's the thing. I can't figure out. I can be so shallow, right? Yeah. And I can't figure out. I'm sorry, ladies and gentlemen, but it's I can't help it. Um. <laughs> Every once in a while, it can be so shallow, and I have no business being it so, but I can't figure out if I like the episode or if I'm into um, Data in that outfit. <laughs> <laughs> I just can't figure it out. That's awesome. He's so hot. I like the episode. <laughs> I like it a lot. The idea no, that Data I, wants to play with Captain Picard. I just love that, though. Yeah. He's so charming in that episode. It's so endearing to me. <laughs> have you seen on my wall when you enter the, my apartment? I have the Captain Picard as Dixon mm -hmm. Hill action yeah. figure. Yeah, I see it because it's where I like go to put my keys. Actually, yeah. No, I did like it. It's just a bunch of gangster shit. It's, it's gangster so fun. shit. Yeah, I liked, I, liked, I liked all the gangstery type stuff. It also sets up the idea that... And I that, like that there were real stakes. Yeah. When, when a holographic holodeck. character yeah. leaves the holodeck, they disintegrate. Mm-hmm. They become nothing. Yeah. Um, which is really interesting. Like, it's really interesting to be inside of this fake world that looks real but isn't. Yeah. Like, what are the implications of that? And they get into that so I much. I can't wrap my head around the holodeck technology. I'm like, why can you feel that person? How come you can touch things? So... Like, in the future, they've discovered that matter and energy are right. interchangeable. Right, right. Uh, not to the degree that like a race like the Traveler has, because um, they've also integrated thought into that. Mm -hmm. But like the the replicator is a is a matter or energy to matter creation device. Basically, it takes energy and turns it into matter. So on the holodeck, it's using like replicator technology to make moving objects. Um, so like a hologram in the Star Trek universe, is a being of energy, but, like, they've, you know, I don't even know what I'm talking about. Fuck well, it, I don't know. because it's not real, but it's I get real. what you're saying. They go into I it get, very... It makes, it, it, within universe, it makes sense. Yeah. I get what you're saying. And the thing I love yeah. about Voyager, which I bag on a lot, because it's not my favorite show, but I love the Doctor. The Doctor is a holographic character. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, and he is wonderful, and he is the, a good reason to watch that show. Yeah, don't tell me anymore, because okay. I am going to watch, I'm watching, I'm in for the long haul. I told you I'm a completist. Nice. All of this shit's getting watched. Yeah. Um, I, I have seen every episode of every Star Trek, including the animated series. There's an animated series? Yeah, the first attempt to bring back Star Trek after it was originally canceled was an animated series with all the original cast members. Except for... I don't know about that. Who was missing? Was it Scotty that was missing? No, Scotty played a bunch of characters. Because he's a good voice actor. Data lore. Data lore. 
Yeah. That was dope. So Data Lore, the premise is that uh, Data's this android. He doesn't know where he comes from. They discover they're they're go- at his home planet where he was discovered, um, and his home planet has been wiped out before he was discovered. His papa's gone. His papa's gone. Yeah. Doctor Noonien Singh. <laughs> Doctor Noonien Soong, Excuse me. Khan Singh Noonien Soong. Uh, so this is an interesting story. Sidebar: Gene Roddenberry uh, in World War II had a friend named like something Noonien Singh, uh, and. It was this really great friend that he had, and he lost touch with him after the war. So he named two characters in the Star Trek universe after this friend to try to get his attention. Khan Noonien Singh and Dr. Noonien Soong, who's Data's creator. Khan being Khan from Wrath of Khan. Uh, So it's literally just like a, a, hey, buddy, you out there? (laughs) (laughs) I just feel like you could probably find other ways to find that guy. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, there's no internet. What are you going to do? You're going to make a TV true. show. That's true. I forgot about that. Yeah. I forgot about that. So It's so funny. I only really know who Khan is because of uh, the Bener- Benedict Cumberbatch. Oh! Uh, <laughs> that movie makes me so angry. <laughs> the fact that that's what you know of Khan is literally can I making just say, my blood boil. Okay, can I say something that's going to make you feel even worse? Tell me while I eat some chocolate. Okay, put that in your mouth, slowly. <laughs> <laughs> I really like those movies, man. <laughs> I loved the first one. Yeah, the first one was the I was an extra one. in the first one. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Really? I mean, I'm not kidding you. I am serious. Why? What? How? <laughs> I really liked the first one. I really liked it. Um, the second one, to be honest, I can barely remember because I only watched that one once because I was kind of underwhelmed by it. Yeah. But the first one I watched like a bunch of times. The first one, when I found out they were doing it, I was like a regular on StarTrek.com. The, the consensus for that movie is that, sure, it's a good movie, but it's not Star Trek. The second one? No, the first one. No, that's not the consensus at all in the nerd that's, culture. That's what I've been hearing. No, not at from, all. From 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 my oh, friends. Well, actually, I take that back. So the consensus is that they nailed the characters, uh-huh. but they missed the point of Star Trek, which is it the is very like it's very like explosions and like yeah. cool action, which I'm yeah. into. I love that. But but Star Trek fans still love it because they got the characters, and to to recreate the chemistry of the original cast is an astonishing feat. Astonishing feat. Um, so I was a reg- regular on StarTrek.com. I went there all the time to see what was going on. I saw they were doing an open casting call for the new Star Trek movie for background extras. I drove up to L.A., I auditioned, and I got in. And uh, I signed a non-disclosure agreement, so I probably can't talk about this. But no, no, I was the a, movie's been out Is that how that works? Stuff. Can I talk about it? You should be fine now. Well, I was a, a prisoner on a Klingon, Klingon prison planet called Ruripenthe, which is mentioned in Star Trek lore. This all got cut out of the movie. I was um, like, this doesn't sound familiar yeah, to me Yeah, but all. you can see me in the, the DVD extras, which is really cool. And oh, there's one man. shot in the movie where Spock is having his flashback. Oh, Spock Prime, like the old Spock, is having his flashback about uh, like how Nero came to be in, in the timeline that we're looking at. Uh-huh. And there's one shot where Eric Bana is like on the prison planet with his shirt off. They don't really explain what it is. And there's blurry people walking by in the background, and I was right there. I'm gonna. Look so at I'm a blurry this. blob in the background. I can't wait to see your blobby face. Yeah, but It'll there's a so shot. Cool. I had like super long hair because uh, I was my cat Stevens days. 
I grew out a beard. God, how old is it? How old are we? How this old was is 2009 that, that it Jesus came out. Jesus Christ, really? It feels yeah. like it was like last year or something. I know. It came out 2009. I had to grow a beard after I got cast. I grew a beard for like three months before I went up and shot, and I had super long hair. This is why I got cast, because I looked like a trashy human. <laughs> um, and they like painted me all up in dirt. And then like a couple hours, it was in Long Beach, and it was an all-night shoot. So I got there at 3 p.m. I left at 9 a.m. the next day. Uh, and they, at one point, they asked people to raise their hands and say, who wants to um, like be shirtless for a pay bump? And I was like, me. <laughs> so then I like took my shirt off, and then this like this large gentleman came over and painted blood and dirt all over my body. Oh my god, it, you're so lucky. So my dream, <laughs> since I was like a wee lass, was to be in Star Trek. And for this one day, I was in Star Trek, and there was Klingons like pushing me around, and I was just like giddy. Did I you mean, cry? It was a very emotional. I mean, it was incredible. Like I was there. I was I was in Star Trek. I was for real in Star Trek. And like even though it was like cut out which was devastating, like I was there. I was real. JJ Abrams was there. I mean, the whole thing was directed by this the like the first AD um who was this like I think he's like Scottish guy who's really interesting. I actually saw him on the background features for or like special features for uh Into Darkness as well. But, I mean, this was like a, a life moment for me where I got to do it for real. We're going to talk so much more about this when we get <laughs> to the movies. Yeah. It's going to be so great. Yeah. But for right now. Okay, where are we at? Data Lore! So, <laughs> and Data Lore, you discover that Dr. Noonien Soong, who created Data, made another version of Data. Like, a version of Data before a dick Data. dick brother. A dick brother. Where the circuitry wasn't quite right, and he's kind of a an evil, evil yeah. twin. Yeah. He's an evil twin. It's an evil twin episode, which yeah. I love. Yeah, it's great. I love that. And and I like that character. And it gives And Brent, I love that he can play an evil twin. Yeah, it gives Brent Spiner a chance to he, flex he's his like, acting muscle. Watch me act, people, and it works. It's yeah. great. I love it. And he is an, a wonderful, incredible, fantastic actor that is so underrated because what he's doing is... Is underacting. He's an amazing actor. I didn't yeah. realize that it was him in Independence Day. Oh, I know. He's coming back for the new Independence Day. Oh movie. my god, I'm so excited. I know. But I, I thought he died. It. He did die. I don't know what they're gonna do. It's I don't crazy. know. Who cares? He's a great actor. I don't care. Just play I just... some other character. Yeah. <laughs> so I... that's that's what I'm gonna say about Data Lore. He's yeah. an amazing actor, and that's when you really get to discover that about him. I went to another Star Trek convention in Las Vegas, which is the big one in the whole world, and I saw. Um, Marina Sirtis and Brent Spiner do like a, a talk together, which is Data and Troy. Uh-huh. They just had so much wonderful chemistry Ugh. and just like sitting in the audience and watching them talk about making the show was just like magic. Ugh, that sounds awesome. I also saw um, the woman who plays Ro Laren, Michelle Forbes, do a talk, which was magic. And, and the girl who plays Kira who on Deep Space Nine. You don't know who she is, but... No. Star Trek conventions are rad, dude. Uh, conventions so, are rad. So cool. I just love conventions. I, I really do. It's so great to see that many people being into something, like, in yeah, one space. Like, it's really fun. It's so fun. Okay, Angel One. Uh, crew beams down. This is a matriarchal society, so women are in charge. Oh, yeah, yeah. bitch. I love that. I love that they did this because <laughs> I felt like they really needed to after having this, like, super racist and then super, like, sexual planet. <laughs> They needed to have, like, a, a planet run by women. And they yeah. did a, a pretty decent job of it. And, of course, Riker goes down there and just has an instant boner for everyone because yeah. he loves strong women. Yeah. Uh, interesting episode. There's, like, a another faction 
on the planet that's like fighting the main faction. I don't know. The background story just kind of like fades. Yeah, it, it kind of does. I think the most important part of this is the fact that it's like a matriarchal government. And like, yeah. that's like, that really landed for me because in case you couldn't tell from tonight's episode. You're a woman? That No, I just mean <laughs> I'm super into that. Like, I'm like, yeah. Tashi Yar is awesome and she's the best. And like, you know, she kicks ass and like all my favorite stuff is like powerful women. I'm I'm, I'm basically Riker. I'm basically him, you know. <laughs> so I can dig it. That that was really that was cool for me to see, you know. They didn't get it exactly right, but again, no. I think that's a sign of the times. Yeah, I mean not a great episode. Yeah, not a great episode all in all, but I really but liked it's fun. that. I liked that premise and it was fun. Yeah. The, I think the problem with Star Trek in a lot of situations is that they don't necessarily develop the premise as well as they could. No. Like, it's a great premise. Yeah. Uh, doesn't really go anywhere. Yeah. Um, and the other problem with season one is that because they didn't have as big of a budget as they did in later seasons, most planets are just I love how you can humans. always see the budget bump, too. Yeah. Like, but did you notice that, like, all these planets they go to, it's just human-looking human people? Yeah, and you don't really start seeing aliens until, like, season three, I feel like. There's aliens, but there's, like, alien. Not, not, yeah, but alien humanoids. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, there's, like, one Klingon. Yeah. There's not, like, a planet of Klingons. Yeah. They do go to the planet of Klingons eventually, and it's fucking wonderful. But not yet. Uh, this next episode, uh, 11001001, which, that's right, right? I'm not reading it. No, yep, you're, that, was, that right. was correct. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> what the fuck, dude? This is a great one. This is, 11001001. Uh, I can't even read it as eloquently yeah. as you just did it from memory. Okay, anyway, this is the, This is an episode that features a race called the Binars. Um, <laughs> that name is ridiculous. <laughs> well, so, this episode it. came out. In, like, the early days of home computers, right? Uh So the idea of binary code was still, like, pretty novel. And I didn't really understand how binary code could possibly work. And then having an episode where this entire species is, is like, based off of binary code is just so cool. Yeah. Such a cool idea. And then it's a great holodeck episode where Riker falls in love with a character on the holodeck. Um which is really powerful like falling in love with the idea of a woman who hasn't been there you yeah. know you've been it happens there. to me all the time yeah <laughs> that literally happens to me all the time i fall in love three times a day at least though and this is this is one of a couple of episodes where they're doing like retrofits on the enterprise so everyone's off the ship and someone tries to steal it <laughs> <laughs> that's like Straight out of Compton, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really enjoy this episode yeah, a lot. It's a good one. It's yeah. a good one. Too short a season, episode 15, is stupid. This episode is so dumb. I don't even remember this one. Let me remind you there is a really old admiral who is in the worst prosthetic makeup ever to make him look super old. Oh, and, he's taking and he this, gets younger, right? Yeah, he's taking this weird Benjamin Button serum to make him younger and younger. Oh my God. And of course, it drives him a little mad. So, and, so the thing that I was talking about, how a lot of tropes came from this show, I uh-huh. don't know if this one came from this show, but it probably did. This is a ripoff. Like, Oh, okay. Merlin lives backwards. I mean, this okay. is... Okay, this has been, this is this a has co- been around. common recurring thing. Benjamin Button is I based off of an the, old story. I just mean the way they did it, though. Like, the, this oh, episode was... Like the makeup? They did... 
they basically did this episode in Doctor Who. And so when I yeah. saw this one, and it's a terrible episode of Doctor Who. I mean, I love it, but like it's terrible and it looks just as bad. And this is like a few years ago. Like I was like, you guys, you couldn't like do it any better than <laughs> I don't know. I just thought it was funny. Yeah. Um, the kids at home will know what I'm talking about. I watched this episode yeah. recently because I wanted to laugh. You know? It was silly. It was a silly episode, and Crusher's hair was not working. Not on point. No, and then the, the guest star who played this admiral who's aging backwards really overplayed it. It was the whole episode was ridiculous. And it's all this weird like <laughs> vendetta that he has because he is kind of this like crooked admiral. He's he's a negotiator, and he did this negotiation years ago where he gave weapons to both sides to sort right, it out. Right, right, right. I remember that because yeah. that was his interpretation of the Prime Directive. There's some interesting ideas in it, but I, they just did not pull it off. Let's not I do give not give it too much credit. I do not care for that one. Um, when the bow breaks, episode 16, planet that was able to cloak itself for thousands of years suddenly reveals itself with its inhabitants proposing peace. Is is that the one where they tried to steal all the kids from the Enterprise? I think it is. I think it is. That one's okay. Uh, the girl, the woman who, if this is the episode I'm thinking of, the woman who plays Sally Sasser on Sports Night was one of the guest stars. I don't even know what Sports Night is. Oh my god, stop looking at me like that. What happened to the non judgmental space you made earlier? I'm just processing. <laughs> um, Sports Night. Dude. I'm just telling you, you guys, he's Sports a liar. Night. He's a liar. He's judging me so hard right now. I'm just sad. Judge, Sports Night is judging like. Judging me like Judy. Sports Night is the special show that me and my dad share where oh. we're both just really, really into I'm it. I'm sorry, Mr. Plaque. And I, we, I, when I go down to San Diego, like, my mom will go to sleep and then my dad and I will, like, you know, drink some scotch and watch Sports Night. It's fucking rad. Why is that adorable? <laughs> it's adorable. Home Soil. The crew visits Valera 3 where a group of terraformers. Work to transform the seemingly desolate planet into one capable of supporting life. This episode is tight. This is a great one. I can't remember it. This Damn. is the one where they find this weird, like, uh, species living in the soil that is intelligent. And they realize that they're destroying its, its uh, environment. And it's like, you are bags of mostly water. Like, referring to humans. Why as bags of mostly water. Did I, like, miss this one somehow? I don't remember this well, one Well, shit, at all. let's skip it because I don't want to ruin it. Okay. Coming of Age is Sometimes wonderful. Sometimes when you watch Netflix on your phone and then you go back yeah, yeah. to, like... You, I've had that I've happen. had that happen to you me miss an and episode. I miss whole episodes. Go back yeah. and watch that one. I will because I don't think I saw that one. Uh, we're getting so... We're, now we're getting into, like, season one at its peak. Okay. Um, Coming of Age is a wonderful episode where uh, Wesley goes to a Starfleet entrance exam. Right. And at the and same time... he meets time, all those other people, right? Yeah. Yeah, that was cool. Yeah. I liked and that. And he has to because, face his worst because fears. Because you forget... You, yeah, you forget also that Starfleet is, like, not just the Enterprise. Yeah. You it's know, a big episode. It's, like, it, it, it really opens up the universe. Yeah. And, and then I there's really this, like that. this red herring subplot of people investigating Captain Picard... Um, and you find out at the end that they're just kind of like maybe setting him up for a promotion. Right. But what you really find out three episodes, three or four episodes later, is that the people investigating him were infested by evil by space, worms space worms from another yeah. galaxy who are trying to take over Starfleet, which is one of my absolute favorite moments <laughs> ever on this show. Yeah. The evil space worms in the back of their necks. We're almost there. We'll get to yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. But 
But yeah, coming of age is a great Wesley story. You get to meet his. And he has a little crush too, right? Is that yeah, yeah, one yeah. where he has a little crush, and then there's that other guy who's like, oh, like you know, really good. The guy who has that like rebreather. Yeah, thing. that breather thing. Like, yeah, because yeah. his environment is different. Uh, and they bring that same actor. Have you seen that episode yet? Where that species shows up again? Uh, yeah, I think so. And it's the same actor because they all look alike. And yeah. He, think, he thinks it's the same character, but it's a different character. And he's character. like being super racist. <laughs> yeah. Oh, this episode also had that great moment where Wesley uh, is in count, is, um, has this like altercation with this big tall guy. And he gets and really he, like, intense and, and he, yells at him. And he like sticks up for himself. But he does it because he notices the webbed fingers. Right. Because he realizes it's another he species. He uses his his yeah. knowledge of their species. And, and that he's species... like, the only way to gain respect is to like yeah. be a dick back to this guy. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Uh, so he passes that test. Because yeah. when you go to the Starfleet entrance exam, some of the tests are unannounced. You're just yeah. walking down the halls and all of a sudden you have to face your worst fear. You know? Yeah. Which was, um, man, that... I loved that. It was that a good part, one. That was a good episode. That part freaked me yeah. out. You know? I loved it. Uh, next is Heart of Glory, which is a really great Klingon episode where they set up the, the Klingons really well for people who weren't familiar with Klingons in the original series. Klingons in the original series did not have vaginas on their forehead. Did you know that? Because they, no. they couldn't afford the makeup. They developed that makeup for the movies because they wanted Klingons to look a little bit different. And they went back and retconned it in Enterprise, which is the fifth Star Trek series that takes place in, the, in like, early 2000s. And they got and, rid of that? Well, they, they tried to explain away the fact that the makeup had changed. We didn't oh. need to explain it. But there's this great moment in, in Deep Space Nine where they kind of touch on it. I don't want to ruin shit for yeah, you. Yeah, don't tell me anything. Anyway, for the next generation fan I think that's a good that's a good move, though, what you said about them making them look different. I yeah, think yeah, yeah. It's very, because it's so, it's so um, iconic now. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. It was a great move. Yeah. If they have a bigger budget, you know, uh, you know prosthetic aspect, prosthetic effects are cheaper yeah. In like 1987, when this show started, than they were in 1964 or whatever it was, right? When the original series was on, so they can do something a little bit more elaborate. Yeah, and his and it just looks better. Like Worf, Worf's makeup changes every season and just gets like better and better. Yeah, he has that weird bob in yeah. season one. Yeah, <laughs> his his hair sucks in season one. <laughs> I does. hate it. <laughs> it's really bad. Uh, but so really he has to choose between his loyalty, between Starfleet and his Klingon heritage. Yeah. When two Klingon fugitives take over the Enterprise. And you see Worf with Klingons for the first time. Yeah, which is really interesting. Somebody dies and he does that freaky thing where he yells. Yeah. And uh, that scared me. It was really, I loved that. I love it. Because it was so fascinating. Because that's yeah. when you really start to see that he's a different, He's different from everyone else. Right. He's a different species. When like, a Klingon dies, you scream at the heavens to to scare everyone out of the way so this new spirit can ascend into stone right. core, which is yeah. the Klingon heaven. Oh, my God. Fuck yeah. It was so, like, carnal and yeah. trippy and, like, cool. This is why I have Klingon yeah. tattooed on my arm. Yeah. You know? yeah. Because I want to, like, try to get some of that fucking spirit. <laughs> it's powerful shit. Arsenal <laughs> Freedom. So this is a great episode also. Uh, they go to this planet and there's this like message playing back about selling all these you know special weapons. But they get to the planet and no one is alive and these weapons are just running free. Oh, I like this one. Yeah, because they, they had just created these weapons that were too good. And they just like killed everyone on they the planet. They killed the people that owned them, basically. Yeah. So getting off the planet. gun control. Gun control, yeah. yeah. <laughs> getting off the planet becomes really difficult. 
Yeah, a really great episode looking at the idea of, you know, preemptive weaponry. Right. Yeah. Right. And I I think that this has been in like in the... I think I read about something like this on Wired or something. They were talking about like guns that can like kill for you basically for the army. It's oh, something wow. to do with that, and it's like a slippery slope. They were saying it's a slippery slope because now people aren't deciding who dies. Like, right. just a machine is deciding who dies. Anyway, right. and like, here we are. And, and I think these people need to watch Star Trek before they make these weapons. Because, yeah, because enlightened, yeah. <laughs> enlightened future human society has realized that that is yeah. unwise. Yeah, really interesting. And you get some really good character stuff between Picard and Dr. Crusher when they fall down that pit. Right. I loved that. Yeah. That's when you really start seeing, you know what, what you were saying before, you're right. Season one starts to peak when, uh, when Wesley goes to that Starfleet testing thing, because then you really start seeing some character development and with like Worf's episode after that, like they start finally actually developing characters. And this is when I started really getting interested. Um, I mean, aside from episode three, um, but like, uh, but yeah. You see the whole dynamic between Crusher and, and Picard is, is you you learn a little bit more about what's going on there. Yeah, um, which is really fascinating because Picard was best friends with, with her husband with her husband yeah. and her husband died on a mission with Picard. That and Picard it must be confusing for her to to be yeah. attracted to him because yeah. it's like, am I attracted to you or am I attracted to the part of you that is my husband? Nailed it. You know, and then Wesley I, I really, really complicates matters because Wesley looks up to Captain Picard, but in a way, Captain Picard is responsible for his father's death. Yeah, exactly. Fascinating. Oh, so good. A wonderful dynamic that keeps them apart. Mm-hmm. But also just so close together. Yeah, they're so close together. Yeah. They, they have this like deep connection mm-hmm. that's really wonderful. And they play it so well. I mean, it's just they performed really so well. Okay, episode 21. We're getting close to the end of the season here. Uh, symbiosis. Enterprise encounters two cultures, one suffering from a plague, the other marketing a cure, and learn that nothing is as simple as it seems. So, so this one's like the one where the plague isn't a plague, they're just addicted to yeah, this was This was the drugs episode. This is the one about, this one's about crack. It's about crack cocaine. This one's about how they introduced crack to poor people just to start a drug war. This that's episode. What that, that's what this is about. Sucks. Um, it could have been so good. Yeah. The one, the one, I don't want to talk about this one much. The one takeaway is I'm fairly certain this is the first mention of Tasha Yar and her rape gangs. Right. That she grew up Which on this planet. Which was news to me. I yeah. was like, what? She grew up on yeah. this planet where there were rape gangs where you have to be on the lookout for gangs that will rape you. Yeah. Which is horrifying. And like her tough exterior is built off of growing up on this like absolute nightmare of a planet. Which is really fascinating. And the fact that someone came out of that with this enlightened view who could become the security officer on Sorry, the, the flagship of the of the Federation is is great. I mean, what a great redemption story for her, mm-hmm. you know. And, and a great role model. Story I love it. I love it because... Yeah. Yeah, she clawed her way out of that society. And then they kill her in the next episode. And here we go. Skin of Evil. Let's dive into Skin of Evil. This... Tell me about Skin of Evil, okay. Audrey. Let me tell you about Skin of Evil. Skin of Evil. I hate God characters. Yeah. This isn't really a God character, but we are presented with a problem that we seemingly cannot get out of. Yeah. And I don't like that. Um, I mean, 
we just what's the problem I, how did they end up getting out of this no I mean, I mean like physically what is tell us about the problem they get oh, into oh well there's literally this fucking blob they're fighting a blob it is a, a tar blob monster. It's a tar blob monster that they, like, somehow is fucking stopping them from doing anything. Th- somehow this yeah. is the fucking character that has brought them to this standstill. It's like, stopping them from getting Troy out of the shuttle. Out of this shuttle the that crashed on the planet because it's put it's yeah. coated itself over this this thing. And it can move around. So it's, it's creating a barrier between them and the shuttle. They just cannot get to it. They can't beam her out because it's creating this magnetic field or whatever that's yeah they, it's impenetrable somehow yeah with all of their technology somehow I it's buy impenetrable. It. i buy it i'm into it um i buy it yeah i guess i'm just still angry yeah i'm just angry because i loved tasha and like yeah, that's hard and and um and i'm just like this is the this is how they this is how it happens like so they, they beam down to- she deserved so much better but that's why i love it because i guess i get that but yeah. that's but I get that. I get she that because that's so how better. that's how human death yeah. is sometimes. I know that I'm going to die in some stupid fucking way. I feel like I'm going to fall down the stairs and like land in the wrong way or like it's going to be something dumb. Like I'm going to sneeze the wrong way and like <laughs> like yeah. you know, like detach my brain stem and it's going to be something stupid and I feel like I want to go out in a blaze of glory and not Don't everyone gets that. Almost you know, no one gets that. Almost this no is, one gets that. This is and real. I think that that's why you know? I'm so angry. I don't think that it's that I hate the episode. Yeah. I think that it's just touched a little too close and it's I'm I'm like she just deserved to go out like yeah. so, so much better than she did and like That is the fan consensus. Yeah. Like people don't like this episode. To me this episode is vital. Vital to the series. It's the, a human struggle. The, it definitely yeah. is. It, it is a reflection on humanity, which is yeah. my favorite thing about Star Trek. Just having but. this, like, absolute bitch of a character, this, his name is Armis, and the episode's called Skin of Evil because it's literally all of the negative, like, emotions and evilness of this race, they found a way to expel it from themselves and put it into a physical place, and it became a creature. So it is only which is the why negativity. he's such a fucker. He's such a because fucker. he had no reason to be doing any of that stuff. It he has wasn't, no reason. It wasn't. It wasn't for survival. It nope. wasn't to eat. It wasn't anything. He's just pure evil. It was pure evil. But that's then I get back to my god character thing because I'm like, what's pure evil? Like I, I yeah. it just gets a little too over the top well, for me. Well, he was you know? just like an angsty teenager left alone for right. thousands of years or however long it was. I, I buy it. I mean, I really buy it. I buy the fact that there's this character who's this, like, petulant child who kills for fun, who's bored, who's miserable, and nothing makes him happy, so he might as well just kill people, you know? Right. And, like, he kills Tasha with a flick of his wrist. Like, it, he just... You're like, you're her hurting away. me, man. Like, it's just... No, it's awful. So I mean, it's awful. It's horrible. No. But... It sets a level of reality for the show yeah. that is so valuable. Yeah, I think that it had to happen. Don't yeah. get me wrong. It's an important episode. It's just not my favorite. And I think it's mostly yeah. just because I'm so hurt. <laughs> I, yeah. I mean, it's by no means my favorite <laughs> yeah. episode. I mean, yeah. I watch it every once in a while to remind me yeah. that life is precious and death exists. And what a valuable lesson to get from a TV show, right. you know? Uh, I mean, all like people complain about the fact that she died in such a frivolous manner. That's my favorite part of this episode. The fact that she did. The and fact that they went there. she's such a powerful character, right. too. And, but then and they come back to it. And she was able to it. just die. At like, the end of the episode, she had 
pre-recorded a holographic goodbye message to her which friends. Which is which makes sense to me because it does make sense because if you're in that line of work, you could die at any time. So like they go on the most dangerous away yeah. missions constantly. <laughs> like their friends die constantly. Mm-hmm. They live on this ship. There's there's families on this ship. That's something we haven't talked about. Yeah, is that there's families on this ship. I it's mean, a this huge is your job. Ship. You yeah, know, this is not a warship. This is a ship of exploration that ev- uh, like occasionally gets into battles. But there are warships in Starfleet that don't allow families. This is not that ship. Yeah. This is a family ship. They go out into space. There's kids. There's a school. There's like a this bar. is just a, a society yeah. that travels through space. Uh, and it just so happens that a lot of people that work there die because they go into dangerous situations to explore that they don't understand because they have that explorer spirit and they're willing to risk it. And this beautiful. fucking beauty in that, you know? It's beautiful. And every once in a while... And that's all I want, man. That's why I'm obsessed with traveling, you know? Like, yeah. I, it's just something that... I can't go into space, but I can go to Spain, you know? Like, yeah, totally. So, I, I don't and, know. And every that's once why in a while, I love sci-fi. Sci-fi oh, has yeah. given me a sense of wonderment about my own planet. Oh, because yeah. I haven't seen the majority of it. Oh, yeah, And absolutely. I'm always like, I get a little sad sometimes late at night because I'm like, I can't go to different planets and explore. And I can't go to, you know, different galaxies to see, like, these different races and, like, how they live and stuff. And it makes me sad. But then I'm yeah. like... You haven't even left the country, bitch. Yeah. Like, there's so much to see here and so many weird places that I can go. And totally. I still haven't done any of it. Like, totally. And um, I, I have been... And, and it just instills me with this sense of, like, wonder, you know? And that's why sci-fi is ma- amazing and magical. And I love it. It's great. Here, here. Like, yeah. I, I have been to Europe a couple of times. And I looked at it through the eyes of a Starfleet officer. Mm-hmm. Like, I got to respect this culture. I got to not interfere. And I need to try to learn it and experience and enjoy. Yeah. yeah. You learn how to, yeah, you learn how to experience other cultures from yeah. the show. And it's wonderful. I and I, when I worked at Starbucks, which happened later, you know, which, which happened when I was like 25 or 26, because I like started over in life at that point, um, which is a long story. But I worked at Starbucks and I loved it because I felt like I was on the crew of the Enterprise. I felt like I was like part of the bridge crew yeah. and we ran this ship well, together. Well, that's why I went back to I'm I feel like I'm kind of in the same situation you were. I left a real yeah. job to to go back to the restaurant industry and pursue art and explore my yeah. world and life and stuff. And one of my favorite things about working in a restaurant is that it is set up like a ship like a there's a command. chain of command yeah there's and and you follow it and and there's very little confusion because of that and then i mean you work a rush and you got to be on your toes and you got to trust your coworkers. Yeah. <laughs> that's the closest i've ever come to felt yeah. feeling like i was in starfleet i think that's why i, I enjoy it so much <laughs> yeah we'll always have paris so this is the episode right after tasha dies where they don't talk they about it. They don't her. talk about it at all. That Pisses did bother me, me too, actually. Pisses me off. Yeah. Uh, besides and it wasn't that, even that great of an episode, I feel well, like. Well, besides that, I enjoy it. There's some really cool <laughs> stuff, like with um, like space time continuum breaking down. Oh, I thought it was a different one. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And you get a, a look into Picard's past with his romantic. Right. You, past. He, like, meets with that woman, right? I enjoy it. Yeah. Um, but, you know, moving on. <laughs> to conspiracy! One of my absolute After favorite episodes. Diverting to a secret meeting with an old friend and some Starfleet, some of Starfleet's finest commanders, Captain Picard finds the USS Horatio destroyed. This is the episode where the 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 worms in the back of your neck are trying to take over Starfleet. Oh, tell me that about, was a good one. Tell me about your reaction to this. Um, it was very bum bum bum. 
It is a straight up horror like, episode. <laughs> I I was a little over the top at first. Yeah. Um but but um you know, it's sci-fi. So I never had that reaction. Um, I was like along for the ride yeah, on this yeah. episode. Um I did enjoy it. I did enjoy it. I like how it ended up. Um It's so arch. Like yeah. there's like an arch villain who has these like air bladders in his neck that expand right, and contract. Right. I and love that. I do love that. He has like this alien in his chest when he explodes and oh my god, yeah, it's so great. It just it's very I it, it brings what I like about sci-fi horror stuff like yeah. aliens yeah. into a, like a into a you know into like a TV setting which yeah. is really interesting. And there's um, that, that scene where that old admiral is beating the fuck out of everyone including Worf. Yeah. Which that I was just cool. love. Yeah. Although I will say that they always use Worf to show that another character is strong, you know? Right. But then Worf just looks like a pussy. Yeah, because they use it too much. They use it too much. <laughs> they make up for it in Deep Space Nine, yeah. which I won't tell you about, but I'm getting a little emotional just thinking about oh, it. Oh, shut so up. So good. Stop. Because uh, <laughs> Worf is a main character on Deep Space Nine for seasons four through seven. Oh, really? Yeah. Like Worf Worf? Worf Worf. Oh, cool. Yeah, because... Like the, See, I didn't know that. So yeah. that episode that we watched together the other day, there was like a real stake. I didn't know he was going to be around. So I was just like. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's why you were able to really enjoy that's it. That's why. I yeah. had no idea like what was going to happen. You know, yeah. so like anyway. That's why that episode, bo- we're talking about the episode in season four where Worf breaks his back and wants to wants Riker to kill him. Speaking of good visual effects. Um. The spine stuff. Oh yeah, the spine stuff was, was really super cool. cool, and the spine hologram really. Yeah, cool. but I, I always, you know, you, I never really felt for a second that Worf was gonna die. So that well, episode I didn't. didn't resonate. I didn't. It's just that they let it hang for a little bit longer than I thought they were going to. So yeah. it was like for a split second, I was like, wait a second. I never. Yeah. I didn't really think that they were gonna kill him off, but there was a second there when I turned to you and I said, wait a second, is this for real right now? <laughs> yeah. And like. <laughs> so so conspiracy to me. What I, a couple things about this episode that really stuck out. I think it's the first time we see a Bolian, which is the blue alien with the line down the center of their face. I like them. Like bluish green. I yeah. love Bolians. Yeah. They're one of my favorite aliens. And the guy who played the Bolian in that episode had this really bizarre face. <laughs> um, and he just looks so cool. And they had this like meeting on this weird planet where they're talking about this conspiracy that's happening in Starfleet where they think that it's being taken over by some sort of like external threat and they don't know what it is but people aren't acting like themselves it's just so ominous yeah it's shot so well it's shot like a horror film i just love how they're like dude you guys something's up like yeah i'm sorry go ahead what was it go no no that's all i had to say i agree and and yeah i think that episode is just like great fun yeah and great fun (laughs) the tag at the end of the episode is that the signal has been sent out to this other galaxy so these creatures might come back Uh uh-huh um which is just really ominous and cool, and I just I just love it. I um I I like the um, the uh, fickle. It, it just shows that um, Starfleet is still just run by humans, and it can be fickle, and it can't. Mm-hmm. It's not impenetrable, and you, you you like to think that it's like this powerful, you know, thing that like very few people can take down, but it's a very real threat that it can be taken down we're still only human yeah and and it can be you know it's not impenetrable like we like we start to feel like it is because we get comfortable in this situation where we win every fight you know and and uh we almost didn't this time because this this is a villain that 
you know, sidestepped and, and got close and cozy with us while we didn't even notice. Yeah. You know? I do have issues with it. Like the I whole, really like that. The whole, like, nub sticking out of the back of your neck, which is the telltale that you've been infested. It's like, how did no one notice how that? How did no one notice that? Yeah. This be... Yeah. But uh, that's okay. I mean, everything else, I just love the episode so much. Right. And I love that they teased it. Like, three, four episodes, four or five episodes before with that Wesley episode? Yeah. I love that they did yeah. that. Yeah, and I knew it was going to come back, because I was like, that's weird. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The I've, seen, I've seen enough TV to know that, 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 like, that means something. Yeah. You know? <laughs> when, when they talk about how there's, like, some, like, weird thing in Starfleet. Yeah. I'm, I'm like, what? But then it comes back, and it pays the fuck off. And I'm going to ruin, I'm going to spoiler you by saying that these aliens don't come back. Um, I had a feeling that if they haven't by now, they, they really I feel like they, they wouldn't. There's there's like official fiction out there that the aliens come back in, but mm-hmm. I I think that, I that feel was like a missed the story, opportunity. I don't think so. I feel like that story has run its course. You think so? I think so. They did the most dangerous thing they could do, and I feel like they'd be watching for that now. Mm. <laughs> Maybe you're right. Maybe we're I, better I, off. Yeah, I, I, you know, I think that you'd really be pushing it, and I'd rather have, I'd rather want more of something than burn something out. I'm with you. You, yeah. you convinced me. <laughs> and that brings us to the season finale of season one, the neutral zone, the return of the Romulans. So this episode is strange because if you haven't watched the original series, you have no idea who the I, Romulans are. I didn't realize who the Romulans were. I think they did a pretty good uh, job at explaining who the Romulans were, though. Did they? I Tell me about so. it from an outsider's perspective. Well, didn't they say that they were just like... I just know that they that they um, had been at war with them before. That tensions were always a little high, but they had reached a general area of understanding, at least. Yeah. Like a truce. Right? Am I right? Am I getting it right? Basically. I mean... Um, the Romans like basically, they they have the neutral zone, which is this area of space. They just stay out of each other's way. And there's a buffer. That's and the neutral a zone. zone. Yeah, they stay right. out of each other's way. They have not had contact in right. quite a while. Which uh, that's what I gathered. So like, yeah. there's a buffer zone. They stay out of each other's way. They they were obviously, um, you know, a villain from the past. Yeah, they're um, one of the best. They episodes. seem like they're related to the Vulcans somehow. Yeah, um, that's true. Uh, because of how they look, and I think they say that they like share yeah. like some kind of. They are a shared ancestry yeah. that ended up on different planets, and like evolution kind of took them in different directions. Okay. Uh, I, I mean, I could get much more in detail than that, but I won't for now. For you, for your <laughs> sake. But there's an episode of the original series where they encounter the Romulans that is so brilliant, where it's just this like cat and mouse game, and it's like naval warfare, where they are. I mean, you know, Star Trek is based off of naval warfare. Like, Gene Roddenberry, I believe, was in the Navy, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and, like, the whole idea was that it was going to be the Navy in space. And nothing illustrates that better than this episode with the Romulans in the original series. Um, I can't believe I'm blanking on the name of it right now. But it's just this, like, cat and mouse game between Kirk and this Romulan captain. And it really sets the stage for this episode. Okay. And I didn't see that episode for maybe a decade or maybe even 15 years after I had seen this episode for the first time. And this episode resonated so much more once I understood the backstory a little bit more. Okay. Uh, and as a Next Generation fan, the Romulans are like a huge part of the show. 
And I would recommend to anyone to go back and watch that episode, which I, I don't might, remember the I name of. I might have to do. I might have to do that. Yeah. Um, just because it's so linked up with this with this one. You know? Yeah. So it might be interesting to me. Yeah. Um, and, and there's also this B story. Well, I guess it's the A story where there's these people that were frozen in time that are brought back to consciousness in the future. Like, people right. from basically our time. Basically from our time, right? And there's that guy who's, like, a country musician. Country musician, yeah. Yeah, um, and then one guy who was really rich, and he's like, I need to check on my money. And they're like, dude, there's no money anymore. Like, yeah. you need to let that go. Yeah. And he's like, I want to call my lawyers. Like, your lawyer's dead, bro. Yeah. Like. <laughs> Interesting tag to the season to kind of point mm-hmm. out I How like that because, come. yeah, it really shows the stark difference between yeah. now and the future. And then a nice cliffhanger where the Romulans are now a threat. Because they realize the Ferengi were not working out as a threat. I like the Romulans so much more yeah. as, as a bad, a big bad. I really do. Oh, they're so great. They they're lead really to great. such a great yeah. like string of episodes, especially because seasons three and four. Because they're also not always wrong, necessarily. Like, some of the stuff they say is very they can be very diplomatic and they're not mm-hmm. being assholes just to be assholes sometimes. Yeah. Um, they're they're just, just a little more aggressive in their culture than They're like Nazis. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. I mean they're they're like an 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 empire. You know, yeah, they're just trying which, to expand which, their empire. In, yeah, and and I'm just saying which I don't think is right or anything. I'm just saying that the way that they rationalize seems so much more sensical than the way the Ferengi r- rationalize themselves. Yeah. That's you know true, what I mean? Like the sure. Ferengi like I said, they're just caricatures and they're they they will literally say, What's in it for me? Right. You know, and like I hate that. It's just dumb and lazy. And yeah. like you know, the Romulans are doing what they think is in their best interest, however misguided it is, you know. Yeah. Um, totally. So they're they're just, compelling. They're compelling. Absolutely yeah. compelling. Yeah. They are intelligent. They're intelligent. And exactly. Yeah, yeah. They're intelligent and compelling. Where the Ferengi are just stupid and petulant, and like <laughs> I just I don't yeah. care for them very. Much. Season one Ferengi. Absolutely. Yeah. You are correct, sir. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's kind of a weird season finale. It it's, is. It's um, not a proper season finale in the way that they I do didn't in later realize, seasons. I didn't realize it was the last one when I was when I was binge watching it and then suddenly there was a different doctor because I was just hitting play, play, play and I was like, wait a second. And then I was like, oh, we're in a different season now. Okay. Yeah. Um, and, so. I mean, season two starts with a weird opener too yeah. where it's not, like the, the distinguishing factor is like Jordy's now chief engineer and uh, Pulaski's now the doctor. I mean, yeah. but besides that. And they like, I think, didn't they wait a hot second before they even explained why Pulaski <laughs> Lansky did, was yeah. there, so I was like, the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> like, like some time has passed, and they here? don't acknowledge yeah. it right away. They don't acknowledge it right away, and it's yeah. very confusing. But to me, the season finale is conspiracy, where I get this, like, wild romp yes. with space demons. I agree. I yeah. agree. And and the neutral zone, episode 25, is kind of a tag. Yeah, where, and it was compelling. Like you said, yeah. compelling is a good word for it. And it it wasn't a bad episode. You, it just was a weird season finale. It gives you a sense of impending doom with the Romulans mm-hmm. coming back, which is nice. That's a nice cliffhanger. Yeah, that We're is We're back, nice. you know? Yeah. Like, that's a nice cliffhanger. Yeah. Um, you know, an uneven episode to wrap up an uneven season, I yeah. would say. Right. So, you know, what I can take from this is is exactly what I said at the beginning. There were some good episodes, especially towards the middle. Um, there were some really great ones. Not the best season, it was enough to get me interested, um, and 
by the end of it, I was excited to keep watching. Mm. Um, especially with some of the character development that happened. Yeah. Uh, you know. How, how did you feel about the 80s-ness of this season? It's so, it's so 80s. It is. Uh, especially the hair. The yeah. hair was out of control that season. Um, it was all over the place. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's funny because um, it takes place in the future. Yeah. But season three feels like future. Yeah. Future, they didn't future. really... They didn't really... They didn't really hit their stride until season three, yeah. um, and and season two had some great episodes. And like I said, it was it was all good enough. It was good enough. Season one and two was good enough to keep me interested, and yeah. so I kept watching. But when I was watching those, I was waiting days between episodes, and then I hit season three, and I was watching several a day. Nice. Yeah, because I couldn't put it down. Yeah, you know, but I love but that. it was interesting enough to me to be like, oh. Like it's been a few days, and I I, I kind of wonder what's gonna happen next. I'm gonna check it out, and like I'll and I would just put on another episode and yeah. eat some dinner, and it was it was good. It's a good show with some really good themes, yeah. you know. Um, and and they did start out with some good themes. It just was a rocky beginning, you know. To to really like, it just took them a while to settle into to who the characters were and what kind of show they were writing. Because in the first season, the first couple seasons, they're like, is it a sci-fi show or is it a character-driven show? Yeah. And, and it can be both, and, but they didn't and, have the balance and, right. And, and season three, they found out how to make it both. And, like, it was amazing. Yeah. So, you know. But all in all, B+. Plus, <laughs> good season. Yeah. I would, I'm going to watch it again because now I know the characters and I can go back knowing them and watching it. Yeah, and I and, and watching their interactions and knowing like what yeah. the what that means now. I when I watched the show as a kid, I saw it all out of order intermittently, but I saw it all, you mm -hmm. know. And then when it came out on DVD, when I got older, I bought it all, and then watched it straight through for the first time in my life. After having seen most of the episodes several times. There was like three or four episodes that I had never seen that I didn't. I thought I'd seen everything, right? But you know, when you watch on TV and you can't, there's no way to know. Yeah, there was no way to look it up on the internet. Yeah, one of the episodes ended up being my one of my favorite episodes of all time, and it it was like a gift to have a new episode to like be I can't, excited oh God, about I can't it. Even, yeah. I can't even talk about it. It's like so. <laughs> it was so amazing. To, it was this episode called uh, Parallels that's in season seven. Oh man, don't tell me anything. Uh, and it was just like this is great how did i never see this that's awesome and then the penultimate episode i had never seen uh until i watched on dvd for the first time i watched it all the way through on dvd twice and then i've done a couple more watch throughs where i just like picked and chose my favorite episodes mm -hmm. but i've seen every episode of this show at least three times mm -hmm. of this of seven seasons of television that's a lot of tv yeah uh and several of them i've seen like maybe six or seven times because I watched it so much as a kid and it didn't matter if it was a repeat I was going to watch it uh, and it's just you know it's just like a really powerful like amazing part of my life it's a life. beautiful show yeah it really is and it's so interesting and it's an important show it's really interesting to, to, to um, review season one and see how much was set up and how little was set up in a lot yeah. of ways it's a very different show you know it, it, it totally turns into a different show yeah like where I am now is completely different than yeah. what I started with. They get um, to a point where there's not really anything you need to forgive. You know, yeah. season one you have to forgive a little bit. Mm -hmm. 
Except for that episode where Beverly fucks a ghost. <laughs> Does that happen in season one? I don't remember no. that. <laughs> you got a ways to go. It's okay, so dumb. I, well, I'm. I feel like. I feel like I like a lot of the episodes that you hate. So maybe, maybe, maybe. I'll love it. Who knows? You won't. It's called Sub Rosa. <laughs> don't tell me that. I just want to stumble into it. I'm, <laughs> I'm hoping I forget about that. You're not gonna table. like it. That title. Well, speaking so of Beverly we, fucking a ghost, we uh, we've sufficiently we've had our whiskey. We've we're had a little. We're, we've got whiskey eyes. What time is it? Um, I don't know. Oh my god, it's twelve forty. <laughs> Holy shit! Oh my god. So me and Andrew start a new band together. Um, this new band we're starting together is not science fiction music at all. But no. I have this one song that we've been working on together, and it has a reference to TNG. Mm-hmm. Which is, you know, slightly inspired by me, apparently. Slightly inspired by Audrey. Since I was, I've been staying up late watching TNG. Yeah, TNG being the next generation, which is yeah. like fan shorthand for, <laughs> for for this series we've been talking about. Uh, and then part of this podcast, what I really wanted to do is put some special music at the end of it. For this one, because it's me and Audrey, and we're starting this new band, and I have this new song that we're working on for this punk, you know, fashion band. <laughs> That references TNG. We thought it'd be fun to play it. We'll let you know what the band name is. When we figure that out. When we figure it out. But it's it's a great song. It's going to be a good name. Yeah, it's going to be so good. So, yeah, we're just going to... make you cream yourself. Yeah. We're, we're not going to do any fancy mic setups or anything. I'm just going to pull my guitar out and play the song as a special little treat at the awesome. end of the podcast. Uh, I had so much fun I doing this. I had so much fun, too. This yeah. is my favorite thing ever, just talking about TV with my bestie. I know, it's so great. It's so good. This is the only um, reason I wanted to do a podcast. There's also drinking involved, and I'm into that. And, yeah. Uh, you know. I had so much fun. Good. And, like, part of me wishes that the whole podcast was just Star Trek The Next Generation. I know. But there's so but much ground to cover. There's so much. We need to talk about Firefly. 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 I want to talk about we my favorite to... movies, Contact, Cocoon. We're going to have some great guests. I'm going to have uh, Johnny Unicorn and Naomi, Naomi Adele Smith. Smith. And I'm going to have Kenzie and Chloe from Super Famous. Audrey and I are going to do eight episodes of Star Trek The Next Generation. We will continue this. It's not going to be the next episode. But we will do seasons two through seven, and then we're going to do an episode about the Star Trek Next Generation movies. Yes, um, which I, I have not seen any yeah. of. Um, which I can't, yeah. oh my god. I can't wait. I, I don't even want to talk about yeah, it. Yeah, let's not even talk about it. Let's yeah. play the let's play the I'm song. I'm so excited about that. That's going to be yeah, great. Yeah, it's going to be good. Uh, so yeah, stick around. Audrey will be back for sure. Yeah. Uh, I'll be back, because it's my show. <laughs> I'm flashing my titties right now. She's flashing her titties right now. Yeah. You have to actually flash your titties then. Okay, fine. Let me grab my guitar. <laughs> this is called uh, Recurring High School Chemistry Nightmare. I just have a change of underwear on hand. Yeah, that's accurate. <laughs> <laughs>
Till next time, bitches. We out.